0: Welcome to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield. It's Tuesday, December 15th, College Football Conference Championship Week, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm joined by the usual cast, Lando, Matt, and our producer, Keys. And as always, we have some instant reactions to the new playoff rankings. But we cannot begin a show without checking in on the boys. Boys, how was y'all's weekend? Whew,
1: man. Uh this this weekend was uh, very different. I uh, cannot taste and I cannot smell going on five days now. Woke up Saturday morning running a fever, not feeling very good. And uh, turns out I've got Lady Rona. She has sunk her fangs into me. And I think, I'm knock on wood, I feel like I'm on the up- upward swing now, doing all right. But because of that, I just laid around and literally did nothing but watch football all weekend. And this is the most football I've seen in ages as far as number of games in a weekend. So aside from the fact that I felt like crap most of the weekend, it, it wasn't overall that bad. I'm um, just ready to be able to taste and smell things again. You never realize how much you take that for granted. Landed. lando how was your weekend man
2: oh uh, yeah my weekend was pretty good uh went to a couple of christmas parties a couple of my friends were uh hosting and uh watched a little football but other than that didn't really do a whole lot kind of sat around and relaxed and uh, getting ready for the big 12 championship coming on next week playing iowa state so hopefully oklahoma can pull this one out matt how the heck did you get the rona did you get it from one of your students or something
1: i honestly i had to have i i Really haven't done much, especially recently. Uh, I, I mean, I went to Taco Mac one day, but everybody that went to Taco Mac, I was the only one that got it. So there's no way that I got it from Taco Mac.
2: So, all right. So you said you can't, you can't smell, you can't taste. What other, what, what, what else is like the symptoms like?
1: Uh, so I, I, it started off honest to God. I thought I had a sinus infection. I started getting a little stuffed up and I was like, Oh God, here we go. Sinus infection. And i always get one around this time of year. So Friday night, I started to lose my appetite, get a little body aches. Uh, went to bed. I went to bed early. I went to bed at like ten thirty on Friday night. That's whenever I knew I didn't feel good. Uh, woke up Saturday morning, fever, freezing cold chills. Like I could not get warm. Taste and smell was like one of the last things Uh, really just like stuffed up, a lot of congestion, runny nose, sore throat, everything that you've heard about for, for COVID. I I pretty much have had it a little bit of shortness of breath. Like when I walk to the kitchen, I'm like, Oh God, uh, I feel like that uh, could
2: just be be because you're fat.
1: You know, it could be because I'm fat. I, I, I I have factored that in there, but this is a little worse than usual puffing the inhaler. And, uh, you know, (laughs) we're, we're going to keep on,
0: keep on rolling and, and keep the, keep this thing going. Hopefully. Oh, nice! How was your weekend, bud? Uh, my weekend was pretty good. I uh, went out Friday night. Uh, like I said last week, we went out and celebrated one of my good friends' birthdays here, and uh, went to uh, Printer's Alley again. Checked out a couple of the new bars. Uh, the bars. I think we went to a place called Whiskey Shot. I think it was Whiskey Shot, um, and it's a bar that um, it has like a little downstairs where you can stand by the stage and like listen to some music. And of course, there's not any dancing or anything because of like COVID nineteen restrictions and all that, but. Um, on the top floor, uh, it's like a little balcony kind of area. They have like a like a gun simulator. You can go up there and like take little shots at like uh, there's like a big projector screen, and they have like little toy guns. You can like shoot at the screen while you're drinking some drinking some beer or your, uh, your favorite kind of liquor drink. So did that Friday night, Saturday nights, but the entire day watching football. Um, got to enjoy a lovely lost to um, my most hated team in the country the Florida Gators uh, at the hands of one of the worst LSU teams I've ever seen in my life thanks to uh, Marco Wilson and a horrible horrible decision to throw a cleat across the field but it was a good night overall and um, yeah it was a good weekend keys what about you did you have a good weekend
3: yeah we actually hosted one of the Christmas parties that Lando went to Uh, so we had some people over to our house had a great time and well thanks for the invite you're always welcome to come down from Nashville to hang out in Kennesaw, Georgia. But uh, yeah, we had a great night. Didn't actually watch very much football on Saturday, but uh, I actually watched more NFL this week, which is surprising for me. But I did get to watch a decent amount earlier in the day. Uh, saw the LSU-Florida game a little bit. It was a pretty good weekend of football, but uh, how about Monday night football this week? That was some fantastic football.
2: Yeah, that game oh. was freaking awesome. That's probably one of the best Monday night football games I have ever seen. Everybody's saying... And that's one of the best Monday night fo- football games they've ever seen. Lamar Jackson's an animal. Baker Mayfield finally came out and showed people why he was the Heisman Trophy winner and the number one overall draft pick. He finally, he's actually kind of shutting some some of his uh, haters up because he performed fantastic last night. But but I, I think the big story is Lamar Jackson coming out of the bathroom. He He was definitely on the toilet. After the game, he said that he was cramping. But I, I I don't believe that malarkey. He definitely had had to go to the bathroom, and we've all been there. Matt, I know you've been there. Oh yeah. He but he 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 came back out and and threw that touchdown. I think that Lamar Jackson should definitely win the MVP this year because the Ravens' offense was just so dynamic last night when he was in the game. Just with his legs, he completed seven passes before he went to the to the locker room, and the Ravens had scored 35 points. Just let that sink into your brains. He completed – he's the quarterback of the Ravens. He threw seven completions, and they had 35 points, and he did the rest with his legs. It was freaking awesome. I saw a stat that they were the first
1: team to have over 100 yards of rushing in, like, 36 consecutive games since the Steelers in, like, 74 to 77, which is insane, like, especially in today's era of football where it's so pass-heavy. I mean, like, you see rookies, like, uh, Tua threw, like, 49 passes. You see guys that are that are first year starters that are coming out slinging, and you've got the Ravens over here. They're like, "Hey, we can beat you with our our running back, quarterback, and our running back running back."
2: All right. Do you guys? Who do you think's better, Michael Vick and his
0: prime, or Lamar Jackson? Vick. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I've thought about this since Lamar came into the league. I think Lamar, like as good as Vick, is a runner. I think Lamar is more dynamic as a runner. He's just more shifty, like. I don't know. No, I'm, I don't know. I, Vic, I, I agree with you. Vic's got a Vic's Vic's got a bigger arm for sure. I mean, Vic could throw the ball probably a hundred yards down the field. And Lamar, I don't think Lamar can do that. Lamar doesn't have a bad arm, but he his arm really isn't that big of a weapon. It's his legs that are the weapon. With Vic, it was he could run the ball. He really wasn't great in like the short to to middle range, but man, he could throw a damn good long ball. I think that Lamar
2: Jackson is a better passer than Michael Vick. Michael Vick only had one speed on the uh, on his ball, and it was a fastball. So a lot, a lot of a, a lot of times when he th- when he throw the ball to his receivers, they they would drop him because he's throwing the ball so hard. Lamar Jackson is doesn't have great touch, but he is better. He's he's just a just a little bit better thrower, and he is super dynamic when he's running the football. Like defenses have to account for his legs when he gets out the pocket.
1: I mean, I agree with you that Lamar is probably a little bit more elusive as a runner, but man, if you go back and you watch some of those Michael Vick highlights, like immediately I think of Vikings overtime game. I think it was like o three o four, where they're on the fifty. Vick drops back and he just takes off, makes three or four guys miss, touchdown. Falcons win. Vick to me, the reason I say Vick is Lamar might be able to take a little bit off on that intermediate pass. Which Vic struggled with, Vic was still more accurate as a passer than than Lamar. Vic would hit guys in the hands. The problem was, is they'd drop it because he'd throw it 120 miles an hour. So he, they'd be t- five yards away, and he had one speed. I mean, the, Michael Vick revolutionized the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson never would have been a, a quarterback if it wasn't for Michael Vick.
2: I want to give a quick shout out to the University of Oklahoma, who last night. Okay, <laughs> now hear me out. Hear me out. Last night, the University of Oklahoma had four key players on the football field. Baker Mayfield, quarterback of the Browns, Hollywood Brown, receiver for the Ravens, Mark Andrews, tight end for the Ravens, and Orlando Brown Jr., who is the left tackle for the Ravens. So Oklahoma, you're doing a great job putting out players in the NFL. We don't get enough credit, but... It's probably because we're not in the SEC. You know, the the people love the SEC. Oh, they're putting out so many players. But, hey, last night, Oklahoma, four players. How about that?
0: See, for me, last night, I fell asleep not even at the end of the first quarter last night. So when I was watching the game, the Browns were dominating. And one thing that really just kind of – when I was thinking of watching the game, I'm like, it is so weird to see the Browns be so balanced on offense. And, you know, to begin the year – like they had, Chubb was playing really well. Chubb was, Chubb's been playing well since he got drafted. They brought in Kareem Hunt. Um, they really improved the offense, adding in um, like Jedrick Wills, who they drafted from Alabama. Uh, the run game has been awesome all year, but like a lot of people were saying Baker Mayfield just wasn't going to be able to win games on his own when the run game was stopped. I think Baker is slowly starting to prove people wrong in that aspect. Yeah. Because, I mean, I loved him coming out. I, I If I were the Browns, I would have taken him number one. I'm glad they did. And I think he's finally starting to show that talent and that drive like um, like I saw at Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, and and I want to make a quick comment on that because Baker Mayfield in his time with the Cleveland Browns has had four different head coaches, okay? And this year he has a brand new rookie head coach and a brand new GM. So the entire culture has changed for the Browns this year. So for people to say that, oh, he, he can't do it in the beginning of the season, well, you guys are putting way too much pressure on him for somebody who is who has a new head coach and a new GM you have to let these things you know work themselves out you have to have the team get continuity you have to let him get comfortable in the offense and let the whole team get comfortable in the offense and now what we're seeing from Baker Mayfield in the Browns offense is he's more comfortable he's making his reads better and now he is able to when the run game isn't really doing what it usually does he's able to kind of take some of that pressure off Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and use his arm to help the Browns' offense.
1: Yeah, I'm still on that hot take train that I agree with a lot of people that were saying it. I think the best thing that happened to Baker... Was Odell not being there this year? Because when Odell went down, everyone was like, "Oh, there goes the Brown season." And Baker just got better, and and it's because honestly, I mean, if you think about it, Odell is a diva. He's like one of those old school Chad Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, uh, Randy Moss receivers that he's like, "I want the ball and just throw it up, and I'll, I'll snag it every single time." And so Baker would try and force it to keep him happy. And now that he doesn't have that valve, I mean, it, he, he's mixing it around. He's getting into a, Jarvis Landry's having a great year this year. You know, he's, he's able to distribute the ball extremely well. And, and it always helps when you get in those goal line situations. You can hand it off to Nick Chubb.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, and losing to Odell, like as good as he is. And yeah, like he's a great receiver. But not having to force a ball to your number one receiver really opens up the opportunity for guys like Donovan Peoples-Jones, who they drafted this year from Michigan, and uh, Jarvis Landry, who's been one of the better wide receivers in the league since he got drafted at LSU. he's He's been awesome, and he really wasn't getting the ball because they were trying to force it to Odell. But getting, getting the ball to those guys and guys like Harrison Bryant and uh, Austin Hooper, really, you can tell, is really opening up the pass game and uh, really improving uh, these younger receivers. And speaking of uh, OBJ and Jarvis Landry, How about that Florida-LSU game? I mean, that was just absolutely insane. That was the last thing I thought I would see on Saturday night. I thought Florida would win that game by 30, 40 points, to be honest.
1: Oh, same, same. Like I said, I wasn't feeling very good this weekend, so uh, it was halftime of that game. It was 24-17, LSU was up, and I remember I was laying on the couch, and I was kind of dozing in and out. I didn't really pay attention to much of it. I went, I woke up in the middle of the third quarter, and it was like 31-24 Florida. So I turned the game off and went to bed. I was like, oh, well, Florida, you know, Florida figured it out. They're good. They're going to roll now. And went to bed, woke up the next morning, only to be extremely surprised by the fact that LSU won that thing. It's was like, golly.
2: Yeah, Florida didn't lose that game on Saturday. Florida lost that game during the week, during practice. They looked over LSU and they didn't practice like they should have. And they came out there and kept LSU close and then made a boneheaded mistake by throwing uh, the the LSU player's shoe 20 yards down the field, giving LSU the opportunity to, to, to go ahead and win that game. So that game is on the players and Dan Mullen for not practicing the way they should have and during the week and looking forward to the SEC championship game against Alabama, they have a lot to prove on, on Saturday because I'm going to tell you right now, if they come out and play like they played this past Saturday, they will get trounced against the university of Alabama on uh, this couple coming Saturday, which I would love, but you, you hit a key point there. I put that, that cleat
1: throw has so much to do with coaching and culture. And, and you look at teams like, you know Alabama, and everyone was like, "Oh, could you imagine what Nick Saban would do if, if one of his players did that?" That wouldn't happen because there is a there is a very there there's a very clear culture at Alabama that discipline is a big part. And if something like that did happen in a key moment of a game, we would have been planning someone's funeral. He wouldn't have got off the field. And, and you saw that a little bit with Florida, where some of the play one of the players punched him in the face or like slapped him or something like, "Dude, you idiot!" I, I just I, I can't fathom. I, I just can't. I can't even begin to think what would happen if. I mean, Kirby Smart, same thing. Can you imagine if a Georgia player did that in a critical moment of the game, and then they cost. I mean, it would be awful.
2: Yeah. So it's just why, why was that the first thing to pop into his head after making what was a spectacular football play? He made a great play, and the first thing to pop into his head was to take his shoe and throw it. While the ref is staring right at him, How, you can't you can't get any more boneheaded than that. I'm I'm pretty sure Dan Mullen made this dude run extra gassers this uh, uh yesterday and today
0: because that's re- absurd.
3: That was fourth down, right? Like the that was game. Oh yeah, that was absolutely terrible. If that was me, I'd have to quit.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's even crazier is that like after the game they were interviewing Dan Mullen and Dan Mullen was defending it. He was like, I didn't see it. I, I don't think it was a penalty. I think it was crap and all this stuff, and and then they they talked to him again on Monday or uh, or on Sunday, I guess. It was either Sunday or Monday. I can't remember. And they were asking him again and he was like, Yeah, I went back and saw it and, and yeah, it happened, but you know, I thought it was in the in the line of play, like it was part of the football move, and you know, he wasn't doing it to taunt, he was doing it as more of a celebration, so it shouldn't have been a penalty and he said it was a football play. It was like he had it in his hand and he threw it. That is not a football play.
1: Yeah, don't you know the the football play where you pick the guy's shoe up and you throw it downfield? It's, it's it happens in every game, right, Dan Mullen? I mean, Dan Mullen honestly lost. I, he lost so much respect for me this weekend because I saw those comments, and it was like, dude, okay. It, 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 I I also lost respect for him at his halftime uh, speech when he's doing his interview with Todd McShay. He's coming off the field, and McShay is like, "Yeah, man, you know, you you've got 340 yards of offense. Like, what do you got to tell the team to to clean up?" And he's like, "Quarterbacks got to make better reads." He, it's the quarterback's fault that we're, you know, and, yeah. it, and it's like, whoa, man, like, I understand if that's the case. And we all saw Trask had the two picks and the fumble, but are you kidding me, man? Like, you're going to throw your players under the, under the bus like that at the halftime interview. And then did it again after the game, double down, like, oh, you know, we executed, we just didn't finish and it's the player's fault. And it's like, you know, you can't you can't do that if you're a coach. You've got to put the responsibility on you, especially when one of your players makes a boneheaded error like
2: that. Unacceptable. So after that loss, Florida is now ranked seventh in the country. They dropped one spot. I am actually really surprised that they didn't drop a little more than that. I think that a loss to an LSU team who is pretty terrible, who is awful, should have at least dropped them a couple more spots, but I'm not in the committee room. So I don't, I I don't know what they're, what they're talking about. What do you guys think about that?
1: I think it really comes down to, if you look at the, the, where Florida landed head to head, they beat Georgia. So whenever you get into the discussion and even though they had a bad, that's a bad loss to LSU, they put up over 600 yards of offense. So it's not like they didn't play well. It's just that they didn't finish. So, I mean, like when you go by like the quote unquote, eye test, Florida probably is the seventh best team in the country. I mean, I'd still say they probably better than Iowa State. Uh, I mean, yeah, they made mistakes, but at, at that point, I don't know. I mean, same thing with Texas A&M. Like, Texas A&M beat Florida head-to-head. I think if they played
0: again, it would be a different story. See, I don't have as much of a problem with Florida being in front of Georgia, like Georgia and Florida being 7-8. and eight. I have more of a problem with Cincinnati being behind both of them. And the only reason Cincinnati is behind both those teams is because they haven't played Yet here they still have Ohio State, who's five and zero at number four, even though they haven't. Played. I'm with you. So it, it it it's very it's very odd to me that like they're saying, oh okay, well this team has looked better. Um, let's keep them in the top four. They deserve to be in the top four, even though they've only played five games. Um, even though they've missed some games here and there. But then they have on the other hand, they got Cincinnati, and they're like, well, they haven't played in a while. So and Georgia's been playing, and, and Florida's been playing, and, and they've looked good. Um, even though I mean, Florida just lost to lsu and um but they're like since cincinnati hasn't played they haven't had the chance to impress and here they are at nine well, it's like okay well then ohio state hasn't had the chance to impress either like last week i understand it but
2: i think it's time for us to talk about the elephant in the room and that is the committee has a different set of rules for teams like alabama notre dame clemson ohio state florida georgia uh teams like that there's a different set of rules as opposed to teams like Cincinnati.
1: Oh, 100%. Cincinnati
2: Cincinnati has to play their games. They have to blow everybody out. They have to look ridiculously good for them not to drop. Teams like Ohio State, because they're Ohio State, will automatically be put ahead of teams like Cincinnati just because, oh, they could potentially be one of the top four teams in the country. They don't have to play eight games. They can only play five games and look really good in four of those games. And look, really not that great in, in 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 the fifth game, but it doesn't matter. They're Ohio State, so we're going to put them in the top four j- just because. And then we're going to put uh, Cincinnati behind uh, two lost Florida and two lost Georgia. Like what? And two lost Iowa State. And, well, two lost Iowa State. And I watched the uh, the, uh, the the ranking show, and one of the people who was on over the rankings, I forget his name, he said that. Iowa State is at number 6 because of the way they've played after that first loss against Louisiana. Now, that is one thing I actually kind of agree with. I'm glad he said that because we have to look at Iowa State was coming was was playing their first game without any meaningful practice, without no spring practice, none of that. Louisiana was coming in having played the week before and having a full week of practice and already being in kind of the groove. So, it's it's kind of hard to say, "Oh, if these, you know, uh Louisiana is just that much better than Iowa State. No, it's just because they they had time to prepare and practice, unlike Iowa State. However, I still don't think that they should be ranked ahead of Cincinnati. I think that's ridiculous.
1: See, and and you brought up a point too that we we talked a little bit about this last week amongst ourselves, like in our group. And after I went after we did the po- recorded the podcast last week, I went back and I looked at the rate, rankings. And kind of looked at those group of five teams. And I think it's an absolute sham. And now mind you, I don't actually think Coastal Carolina is a better team than Iowa State or Georgia or Florida. But Iowa State or excuse me, Iowa State, yeah, they lost to Louisiana. And Coastal Carolina beat that same Louisiana team. I know I understand that we're we're giving Iowa State a pass on that one. But we're saying that Iowa State has two top twenty wins. And then they've got the the top 20, one top 20 loss to uh, Louisiana and the other loss to top 25 Oklahoma State. Coastal Carolina's got two top 20 wins and no losses, and we're not rewarding them for that. And and I understand the whole concept of like, you know, their schedule isn't, at, their string of schedule isn't as high and all that. But but for Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina to have the wins that they've had and they're not getting the same credit for the wins that they've got against top 20 teams that other teams are getting for, you know, top 25 teams. It, it's to me it's the same
2: thing. So what the committee is essentially saying is they are looking at Iowa State's win over top 10 ranked Oklahoma who is looked vastly better, vastly improved, one of the best Oklahoma teams we've seen in a long time in terms of being complete offense and defense. That's what they're saying. That's why Iowa State is at number 6 because they have wins against Texas and wins against Oklahoma. So that's pretty much what they're saying.
1: Right, right. No, and I understand that. But in, in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma win is a great win, especially now. But if you look at Oklahoma at that point in the season, that Oklahoma team was not the same Oklahoma team that there is now. So you're giving them credit for a, a, a Oklahoma team that was almost out of the rankings completely. I understand we're looking at it. I honestly think, you know, not to blow the lid off of any of our pred- predictions for the weekend, I think it's o- Oklahoma's going to beat Iowa State this time uh, around in the in the Big 12 championship. And, and I think that Iowa State's a really good team, and I'm not taking anything away from them. But like you said, you know, okay, Iowa State has two top 20 wins. One of them is now a top 10 win. But Coastal Carolina has a top 20 win against a team that Iowa State lost to and another top twenty, another top twenty win against a, a BYU team that's probably a little overranked, but nonetheless, it's still a top twenty win in the eyes of the committee. So you're saying that two top twenty wins equates you to being in twelfth when Indiana has looked pretty good, uh, but they still got a loss, and and then you've got Cincinnati. I, I just feel like it's a, a it's kind of a sham
0: for the G five schools. Biggest loser of the week, definitely Miami. Oh yeah, I mean. Watching that game against North Carolina, I mean, a North Carolina team who lost to Virginia, who lost to Florida State, you know, they looked good against Notre Dame, and I think they're a good team, but the fact that they just pounded Miami, I mean, killed them, and Miami was ranked number nine, that's embarrassing. That's really embarrassing. And I still think Miami's a good team, but...
2: Miami was ranked 10th, but um, I think I called this last week. I said that Miami uh, didn't look good against any of those wins that they had. To, to be to be undefeated they they didn't look good at all so i knew i had a feeling north carolina was going to come in there who's battle tested who's played some good teams really close they're going to come in there and, and absolutely beat the living crap out of miami uh i think an 18th uh, ranking for them is a good spot because they they really aren't that good
1: yeah they're definitely a top 20 team i mean i think they would hang with louisiana byu iowa I think North Carolina might be a little low as a 15th team based off of how they've played recently. I mean, I know they've got three losses, but, you know, I I, I could sit here and nit- nitpick pretty much anything. I don't understand why Texas is ranked. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I think that they're only ranked because they're Texas. And USC is going to be 13 because they're undefeated. But they honestly, if you watch every USC game that there's been this year, they haven't beat the doors off of anybody. They were losing to Arizona State, and they came back late in the fourth quarter. They were getting beat down by UCLA this weekend. And, I mean, UCLA is a decent team, but they had to come back. They were down 18 at one point to, to UCLA, come back and win. And I mean, I know winning is winning. And that at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But you can't tell me that USC is a better team than North Carolina or in uh, even BYU. I mean, th- th- that would be a competitive game, BYU-USC.
0: When they were showing the playoff on ESPN uh, earlier with the, like Desmond Howard and Kurt Herbstreit and all them, one of the things they were talking about was why is – 5-0 USC not being looked at the same way that 5-0 Ohio State is being looked at. USC is that big of a program. USC is, you know, like you could argue that the Pac-12 has been better than the Big Ten this year besides, like, Indiana and Iowa State. But, like, I, I completely disagree with that argument. Like, I think, like you were saying, they've barely beaten the teams they're playing. They don't look like a top-four team. Ohio State looks like a top-four team when they play. I mean, they just beat Michigan State, who – beat Northwestern, who's ranked 14. They beat them by, like, 50 points. It was a complete beatdown. So what was that, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? So it's it's funny how that's been – I feel like that's actually – tonight And um, I listened to um, a college football podcast that Kurt Herbstreit and David Pollock do, and they talked about that throughout the entire podcast. It was like a two-hour podcast, and I'm really surprised that there, people talk about that more than they talk about, like, the Ohio State versus – uh, Texas A and M debate because of like the amount of games Ohio State's played, and I think that's just crazy. I mean, I
1: I understand the the concept of the argument though. I mean, USC five and zero, Ohio State five and zero. What's the difference? I mean, honestly, I think the the difference is Justin Fields one was a Heisman front runner coming into the season. Uh, two, they're giving uh, Ohio State the on paper benefit of the doubt. Like, on paper, they're one of the best four teams. So on paper, we're going to make them one of the best four teams unless they give us a reason not to.
2: I also think they are uh, using the old term, what have you done for me lately? As in, what have you done for me in the past couple years? Ohio State has been one of the better teams in the country for the past several years. USC, not so much. So I think Ohio State is where they need to be. USC is where they need to be.
0: Yeah, but moving on from uh, playoff talk, we had a huge coaching change uh, this past week. Gus Malzahn is out at Auburn um, after what was it, eight seasons? Yeah,
1: yeah, eight years.
0: After eight years, uh, who do you guys think are going to replace him? Oof,
1: man. You know, so I've I've been following this one pretty closely because this is a this is an in state in state thing. I'm honestly surprised Auburn did it. I'm surprised they pulled the trigger. And this season with as much money as they owed Gus. $21 million buyout for Gus Malzon is insane. And I know that a lot of these universities have a ton of money and these boosters that fund this this gives a lot of money. Uh and, and they're they're very well off. But I'm sure that at some level, the program and the school and these people, these boosters have been affected by COVID in some way. So for them to pay that buyout this year was Kind of mind-boggling to me. I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, so I've been following this close. You know, I I, I got to make sure that uh, we have to uh, – we can continue to out-recruit. I was init- initially thinking Hugh Freeze was definitely going to be the guy there. I mean, that that seemed like the automatic – higher in my opinion, guy that's been in the SEC and a guy that's been beaten Nick Saban two years in a row, which not very many people have done. So I thought that, but from what I hear, Kevin Steele, the uh DC who is the interim head coach is actually getting a really good look right now. And they're, can, they're giving him serious consideration. Uh I've heard Billy Napier's name thrown out there, the head coach of Louisiana. Um I, Personally, I still feel like hugh freeze is their guy i don't think that luke fickle is a guy that's gonna leave and 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 come down here to the to the sec i think he's more of a big 10 type of guy um so i I still think Hugh it's it's a it's a hugh freeze job it's just whether or not can auburn afford him based after off that buyout that they just had to pay gus
0: yeah i thought when um when they fired gus i could have sworn it was because they already hired hugh freeze they had like I was like why are you going to pay a guy 21 million dollars who's beaten Nick Saban the greatest coach of all time 3 times in his 8 years he's been there um like he's constantly has winning teams like I mean they it's very rare for them to compete for a national championship if it's up for in 2013 but they're they're good teams they're um usually like in the top 15 so it's it's like you're really going to pay 21 million dollars to get this guy off your school you have to like you have to have your guy and from what it sounds like i mean i don't know if it's just auburn throwing smoke screens or or not but yeah it sounds like kevin steele is going to be the guy there and um if 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 that's true then that i i'm mind boggled by auburn
2: i think whoever gets the auburn job is going to have a good chance to get auburn back to where they need to be to compete in the sec because i mean i'm not going to sit here and and say that auburn doesn't get good recruits because they do they're auburn they're always gonna have some players that they, you know, that are gonna be kind of nobodies that are gonna come out of nowhere, and be really good, and then they're gonna get their their five and four star recruits like they always do because they're they're one of the top SEC schools. So uh, whoever goes there, uh, whether it be Hugh Freeze or Kevin Steele, I think they're gonna do a good job uh, to kind of bring a different voice to Auburn because I think it, it, essentially that's what needs to happen or or. The AD for Auburn has said that they need a new voice for the players to hear.
0: You've got mail. Mail time. And talking about up-and-coming coaches, um, we can start with our first mailbag question from at Chad S underscore 529. Um, he's got two questions. This is his first one. His question is Is Matt Campbell on the move to a bigger job?
2: Mm, I think that. It will depend on whether or not Iowa State beats Oklahoma this weekend because he has done a great job at Iowa State. However, Iowa State is never going to get the type of recruits that Texas, Oklahoma, uh, I can't think of another big, big 12 school right now because there's only two of them, but they're never going to get recruits like Texas and Oklahoma, period. Uh, So, if that's what he wants to do is go to somewhere that's a bigger job where he can get better recruits and see what he can do. Um, I think that he would do that. But if he wins his game this weekend, I think it's going to be hard for another team to pull him away from, from Iowa state where he's done so well.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I really think it depends on, on Matt Campbell and what his goal is as a coach. Because I think that he's a guy that would fit that Auburn rebirthing of, of whatever, the, the turning of the culture, so to speak, that's going on there. Uh, I, I think that he would fit that mold. But I don't know if he's a guy that would want to go in to a school where he's got the expectation of winning a national championship or at least competing for one right off the rip. Uh I, I think that he likes the culture that he's built at Iowa State and maybe he sticks it out, you know, if he goes one more year and then a job like a Texas or a USC comes open, he that might be something that, that he would be more into. Uh but I, I don't know if there's a job that's big enough for him to go out right now this year.
2: Matt, you, you said something that that could be a great spot for Matt Campbell, and that is Texas when Texas finally decides to give Tom Herman the boot. And I think if, no, I, I know next year, if, if Texas is not back and if Texas doesn't beat Oklahoma and if Texas is not a top 10 team in the country, Tom Herman's out, he's gone. And if I'm Texas, I am throwing everything I got at Matt Campbell because that would be a game changer for them to get a coach like Matt Campbell at Texas.
0: See, if we're talking about college football jobs, I'm with you guys. I don't think he would leave Iowa State this year because I don't think Texas or Michigan are going to fire their coaches, which I think is a mistake by both of them if they could get Matt Campbell because I think he'd be better than Harbaugh or Herman. Uh, but I think Matt Campbell is probably going to end up jumping into the NFL this year. They've been talking about it since he's been at Iowa State um, or at least since 2017 when he upset Iowa, or uh, Oklahoma uh, the year Oklahoma went to the Rose Bowl. But I know that Everybody, everybody I've ever talked to has said he's perfect for the NFL ranks. Like teams love him. Uh, he's been offered jobs before and he's turned them down to stay at Iowa State. But I mean, that was it. it, it sounds it's just very similar to Matt Rule for me. Matt Rule had that same thing happen to him, where so many people are asking, saying, "Hey, come, come coach our team. Come, come coach the Jets. Come coach the Giants. Do, do this, do that." And finally, a job came about at, at Carolina, where Matt Rule wanted to go and take over that team and see what he could do. So. I think Matt Campbell um, is going to be a lot like Matt Rule, and I think a job is going to open up this year. Potentially the Lions, potentially the Jets. If I were him, I wouldn't go to the Jets, but Lions, Texans, who knows? Um, I think this could be the year that he makes that jump to the NFL.
1: You know, one thing I, w- I will say about the, NF- the move from college to the NFL is it's it's a really – it's a different game, and you see a lot of coaches that come from the college ranks go to the NFL – And they're so used to the micromanaging that you have to do in college to keep kids going to class make sure that they're doing the right thing. And then they get in the NFL and they try to do the same thing. And they're not dealing with college kids anymore. They're dealing with grown men. And I think that you see Matt Rule kind of struggling a little bit in Carolina this year. I don't know. You know, We'll give him a couple of years to see how it goes. Pete Carroll was one of the guys that was able to do it. He went from NFL to college back to the NFL. And he's been successful. But that's a hard thing to do. Spurrier did it. He wasn't successful with the Redskins. Uh, Saban did it. He struggled with the Dolphins. It, it's a hard transition to go from college to the NFL and build the kind of culture that Matt Campbell h- likes
0: to have. Yep. That's definitely true, Matt. Um, but we'll move on to Chad S underscore five, two nines. Next question. Um, this one is, was Indiana unfairly kept out of the big 10 championship?
2: No, no. Uh, the, the answer is no. The big 10 did what they had to do to get Ohio state into the playoff. That, that that's the that's, that's the simple and easy answer for that. Uh, Ohio State already beat Indiana and Northwestern is the next best team in the Big 10. So, you put your two best teams in the Big 10 and let them go at it. And you for if you're the Big 10, you hope Ohio State wins. Yeah, I agree with you, man. If
1: if if Indiana if Indiana lost or Indiana and Ohio State hadn't played and they're both undefeated or if Indiana had one loss, Maybe in their game with Ohio State had gotten canceled. Maybe I'm saying they were unfairly kept out, but Ohio State beat them. Uh, Ohio State deserves to be there. That and that to me is the what what separates it. If, if you played a team and you beat them, there's no reason that they should be. If and you're undefeated,
0: even though you've only played five games, no reason you should be out of the championship. See, I definitely understand the frustration that probably is coming from Indiana fans because of this. Like, I mean, their team is. You're probably thinking before. Um, the Big Ten made that announcement that they were going to do away with that rule, that your team's going to make it. Um, Even though it's by technicality, you kind of get excited by that. You know, Indiana is not a team who's usually in the Big Ten championship. They don't have many years like this, Um, but I completely agree. Ohio State is obviously better than Indiana. I think even watching that Ohio State-Indiana game, uh, even though the the score was close at the end, and yeah, like Michael Penix put up like 400 yards against them, but – Ohio state was obviously the better team and you could tell, I mean, they were blowing them out and then it looked like they kind of took the foot off the gas and let and, uh, Indiana take advantage of that. But Ohio state is for sure the best team in the big 10. Um, and I completely agree with you guys. I think they deserve to be in that game, but moving on from the big 10, uh, we'll get to at Jay smiley underscore 18s question. And his question is, does a healthy Georgia starting JT Daniels beat a healthy Florida? What if?
2: What if? 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 I knew. I. I. I knew. I knew this. This was coming. That Matt, witten and Keys—they all know it. I. I knew this was coming. What if Georgia had J.T. Daniels? Would they beat Florida? The answer is I don't freaking know.
3: I think Lando just needs us to get some more Oklahoma followers on our Instagram, because all these Georgia fans (laughs) keep submitting these questions, and I think he's over it. Personally, I I think JT Daniels is very good. They probably would win, but, I mean, he wasn't even eligible to play at the beginning. That's what all these people are saying. Oh, or what was it? He he was hurt or something. He wasn't back from medical clearance. So, you know, all these people are saying, oh, JT Daniels would have been playing from the start. Well, he wasn't even an an option. So, yeah, exactly what Lando says. What ifs? Every season, what ifs?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, Lando. I mean, we could play the what if game forever. You know, what what if Tua didn't come in the second half in 2017? You know, what what, what what if Oklahoma had a defense? Yeah, what if Oklahoma had a defense? And you know, we, we could play the what if game. I I still think the biggest loss in that Florida game was not having Richard LeCount on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and then when Stetson Bennett got hurt, Stetson Bennett was playing great until he got hurt in that game. So it's hard for me to say, yeah, definitely. Uh JT Daniels changes the game. Maybe they score a little bit more. Uh, but overall, I I think that not having Richard Lecount and then uh what's his name? Cine Cine, he gets a- ejected for the targeting and now you're down to two safeties. Uh you know that that's that's not a good look. Georgia's defense was kind of depleted and Florida's offense is way too good to 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 let backups at secondary positions come in and try to compete, so i'm I'm gonna go i I don't know, but probably not gonna make that big of a difference
0: uh I think it's easy to look at the way George has been playing these past couple of weeks um and the way the offense has been more balanced and say that yeah, they would because they'd be able to keep up on offense but it's it's easy to say that when George is playing teams like Missouri. Who they? I mean, they were a top twenty-five team, but they really they shouldn't have been a top twenty-five team, and I agree with that as even as an SEC fan. And you know, South Carolina, who probably has like the worst rush defense in the country, and uh, Mississippi State, who I mean, even they even though they played well on offense, they're really not they're not a great team. They're not. So I mean, like it, it's very easy to in hindsight to sit there and watch the games and go, J.T. Daniels makes this Georgia team the team they should have been from the beginning of the year, the team that should win the national championship. It sucks that they didn't have him for the beginning of the year, but we're not seeing him play against teams that are like Florida, Alabama, Oklahoma. We're not seeing him play against those top 10 teams. Like we saw like Stetson Bennett and Juwan and those guys. So um, it's really hard to tell if, if he's really, I mean, been that big of a difference maker or or if it's really just the defenses that Georgia has been playing. So I've, I would like to say yes. Obviously, I I think that Georgia's offense is way more balanced, and they'd have a. I think they for sure have a better shot. But I mean, like I said, and like they've said, you could you can if ands, or buts your way to whatever you want to think. But in the end, Georgia lost that game. It is what it is. And uh, on to another Georgia question that Lando's is probably gonna love. Uh, this one is from Pokorner E Aaron. If I pronounced that wrong, I apologize. His question is, what is Georgia's chances of making the playoff? Uh, And he said, they're obviously better than Texas A&M, Cincinnati, and Iowa State.
2: Okay, so I'm going to read this question how I feel that Paul Corny Aaron said it. I'm going to read it as if he was saying it. What is Georgia's chances of making the playoff? They're obviously better than Texas A&M, Cincinnati, and Iowa State. Are they really? are they really is georgia really obviously better than texas a&m i may give you cincinnati are they obviously better than iowa state really uh no they're not obviously better would it be a great game yeah anybody can has a chance to win if you're georgia against texas a&m or iowa state but are they obviously better than them no the answer is no georgia's chances of making a playoff maybe if they're if chaos happens I don't think chaos is going to happen, but to say that they're obviously better than Texas A&M and Iowa State, uh, dude, what the hell are you smoking? Because I want some of it.
3: (laughs) I saw, I think ESPN posted that there was a a projected 1% chance, and I think I said to you guys, I want to see that math because I can't seem to find an actual scenario in which Georgia is in the top four after this weekend. I I want to actually see what their one percent math is to
1: see that, like who has to lose for that everyone and like how bad. Yeah, I I got a I got a big zero for percent chance for this year. I tried to do the math whenever Key sent that out. I was like, all right, let me. I want to figure this thing out. I'm gonna I'm gonna piece it together, and I I couldn't because if if Florida beats Alabama, Alabama's still gonna get in because they'd be a one loss team, and they. The other one-loss team, Texas A&M, got beat by Alabama by 24 points. Uh, So, all right, well, what about Notre Dame beating Clemson again? All right, now they're going to be a two-loss. Okay, well, the committee's already said that two-loss Florida, two-loss Iowa State, and probably two-loss Clemson would be ranked ahead of Georgia um, or they're, they're already ahead of Georgia, so they're probably already going to get in. I, I, I don't see a way, in. And, and if it, I, I'm with Lando, you can't say Iowa State. It, it, Georgia's obviously better than Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State's a pretty good football team. I don't know if you've seen them at all. Uh, And, and Texas A&M, they, they, recently they haven't been playing great, but they beat Florida. I just want to point that out. They beat Florida by seven, and, you know, Georgia didn't, so you can't say they're obviously better than a And M. Do I think that they're probably better than a And M? Sure, but I wouldn't say it's an obvious statement. I mean, a And M plays pretty good defense, and you know when depending on which Cal and Mon you get, Doctor Jekyll or Mister Hyde, he, he's either gonna have a seven QBR or a ninety three. Uh, <laughs> But you know, it, it, and it depends on uh, you know Georgia's defense. Are they going to be healthy? Uh, you know, if they are. Then I'd, I'd give I'd give Georgia a chance. But I I don't see it. I don't see it this year for a playoff.
2: And and listen, Mister Pokorny Aaron, you can say whatever the heck you want to say, man. We live in a free country. Good for you if you think they're obviously better. I just want you to know that you know you you may want to go to the doctor or something because. You, Something's wrong if 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 you think that. But hey, we're living in a free country, free speech. What was that? The First Amendment. You can say whatever the hell you want to, man. Good, good for you. Yes, it, it is the First Amendment.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, in my opinion, I think Georgia has a really good shot of making the top four. I mean, if the committee wants to put in the top four teams, Georgia is 100 percent a top four team this year. Get and I just said that because with... I wanted to get Lando's reaction. I I don't I don't believe that at all. I just want to get Lando's reaction with that. <laughs> Uh no uh, threw his I'm, hands I'm the with air. these guys. <laughs> I'm with these guys. Um like I mean I think you can say I don't think it's unfair to say that Georgia is probably a better team uh than those three with JT Daniels at the quarterback, but you can't say that they're obviously better. Not to a degree where you could be like, "Oh, well Georgia's better than a one loss a and they should jump from 8 to 5 or jump from 8 to 4 over Texas a at 5 or cincinnati who's undefeated i mean like i said before i think it's insane that uh cincinnati jumped back to nine the way that they've played this year and um yeah like they haven't beaten like top 25 teams and whatnot but the the aac is extremely undervalued in my opinion And i think the, the what they've gone through this year is actually pretty tough like even though yeah it's a group of five or whatever but it's still like those are not easy games ucf and memphis are not easy teams to beat while you're talking about while you're talking about cincinnati why don't you move on to the next question so that Lando doesn't have a conniption over here. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Uh, the next question is from at Lil Huddy. And his question is, who's better Texas A&M or Cincinnati?
2: That's, that's actually a great question, Lil Huddy. That's a great question. And if if any, if any of our followers, you know, uh, watch TikTok, the, uh, th- this is the original Lil Huddy. Okay. So uh, the, the, the other guy copied this guy. Uh, who's better, Texas A&M or Cincinnati? Hmm, I don't know, man. Uh, both teams have have their strengths and and, and weaknesses, but uh, I think it I think it'd be a great game. I don't trust uh Kellen Mond, so for that reason, I'm gonna go with Cincinnati because I don't trust Kellen Mond.
1: Exactly, I I 100 agree. If if these two teams played in a game, I feel like it could be a pick 'em. And, but, but Cincinnati plays really good defense. I feel like their defense is so undervalued. I mean, even against uh, UCF, who is a, a really good high powered offensive team, they, they held them to 33 points, which I mean, that sounds like, Oh, that's, that's still a lot of points. It is a lot of points, but they held them under 400 yards, which was something that I don't think they had that had happened in a while. So Cincinnati plays really good defense and, Depending on which Kellen Mon showed up again, uh, if, if I don't trust Kellen Mon that much, and I think that that's the difference in the game. Cincinnati plays good defense. A and M plays pretty good defense too, but I just don't see. I, I I don't see Cincinnati making the same mistakes that Kellen Mond would. And you know, is uh, was is it Isaiah Spiller, the running back for A and M? Is, is he? It, everything predicates on his ability to run the ball Cincinnati takes him out of the game and I think that they would they're, they're I think they're a more complete
0: team than a and I completely agree I, I'm sitting here watching these games like I know Cincinnati hasn't played in the past couple weeks because of all these COVID cancellations and whatnot but I think they are obviously and I, I'm saying obviously I think they are obviously a better team than a and I know A&M has a good schedule and they play in the SEC and um I mean, yeah, they've looked a lot better than they have over the past couple of years with Jimbo Fisher and Kelly Mond, but they're, in my opinion, they're just still, they're still not there. Like, there's just something about them. They've had these close games with LSU, who, yeah, they beat Florida this week, but they really haven't looked great all year. And close games with Arkansas and uh, close games with Auburn, they probably should have lost to Auburn. I mean, they're, they're just really not that great of a team. And they're kind of just riding that Florida win, even though Florida just lost to LSU again. And... But, and they're just sitting at five, kind of waiting to see if somebody will lose and maybe jump them up into the top four. But I, I think Cincinnati is a definitely hundred percent better team than A&M. And speaking of uh group of five teams and power five teams, uh, it kind of segues into our next question. This one was from at Daniel underscore Connors 58. His question is kind of more of a comment, but he says, power five conferences should be demoted and group of five promoted. Um, Danny, I love you.
2: Love you, man. Uh, what what is that supposed to mean are are we gonna are we gonna demote the acc because they only have clemson so we're gonna demote them because a a group of five team has more better teams is is that what he's trying to say
3: i think on instagram he said power five teams or power five conferences should be able to be demoted
1: i think what he's trying to get at is like the aac should probably be a power five compared to the pac-12 right now pretty sure that's what he's saying Uh,
2: okay so okay I, i I mean I I kind of understand this question. Um look, <laughs> this is 2020 and things are weird right now, but normally the Pac-12 is not that bad of a conference. Normally, usually Oregon's pretty good. Uh USC has been is getting better. Uh these teams are better than most of the teams in the AAC. So to answer your question, Danny, no, no, you shouldn't demote power five conferences and promote group of five uh, conferences. No.
1: I mean, I understand what he's, what he's going for here, because uh, in a way I kind of agree, like we've been giving the PAC 12 credit for being a power five conference over the past few years and knocking teams like UCF and Cincinnati for being a group of five, whenever they've probably been just as competitive as any PAC 12 team. Uh, I would put Cincinnati up against Oregon this year. I'd put them up against USC this year. I'd put them up against any of them and, and think they could win. Um, I, I think the problem is, is, is it's all about cash and money and the the almighty dollar. And at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to demote conferences from getting that money because they all sign into these deals with these conferences. Solely for the money. I mean, that's that's what it's that's what it's all about. That's what it boils down to. So, what uh, what would I, would I love to see maybe teams be able to move into conferences more easily, like Cincinnati moving into a, a Pac-12 or uh, even a Big Ten. I think Cincinnati would be extremely competitive in the Big Ten this year. Uh, I'd love to see stuff like that, but it's it's so hard whenever, especially in college football, it, it all boils down to the almighty dollar.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Matt. Demoting and I and I know he's talking about the American Conference, probably comparing it to like the Pac-12. But yeah, like the American Conference is good, and there's a lot of teams in there that would compete better uh, than a lot of the teams in the Pac-12. But conference as a whole, year in and year out, the Pac-12 is going to be better than the American Conference. That's just how it is. They're going to recruit better. They they're going to hire the better named coaches. That's just how it is. But I'm in agreement with, I think I understand your concept and I'm in agreement in the sense of, I think that the conferences and the the baseline of um, like conference play, division play, stuff like that. It needs to just be completely rewritten because we're having teams like UCF, Memphis, um, Tulsa is kind of starting to get there. Cincinnati now, SMU is starting to get back, Houston, those teams like specifically in AAC, they're... They should be in Power 5 conferences. And it's not even just because of the way they're playing. And most of them, like Houston, UCF, SMU, Cincinnati, those are all pretty pretty good-sized markets. And like they're playing in the group of five. And Tulane, you could put them in there too for being in New Orleans. Um, we kind of talked about that last week. But moving them up and seeing them play in the Big 12, ACC, maybe throw a couple in the SEC, Big 10, whatever, just – like get them in there and see how they do playing the, those power five teams year in and year out. Um, I think, I think it's something that's, is, is very much, um, realistic. And, um, I think we could see something like that happen soon. And, uh, speaking of the group of five, um, I'm sure this question is brought about because of teams like Cincinnati being dropped back to nine this week, um, at Bruce Ayers, his question is, is it time for a six or eight team playoff?
2: If there was any year to do it, it would be this year because it's like I said before it's twenty twenty Why not? but no, I don't think it's time for a six or eight team playoff uh the committee has gotten it right every year uh the the teams that are in the top four the top three teams are definitely the top best dreams the best three teams in the country. It's when you get to four and five is when you could you can easily swap those teams out and they could they could compete with those top three teams so uh i <laughs> The, but the 6th, 7th, and 8th team, I don't believe that they're any near, anywhere near close to being you know, the top four teams in the country. I don't think it, they'd be, even be able to compete. So, no.
1: No, I agree with you. Uh, but I, at the same time, one thing that I saw, uh, I, I don't know uh, where it came from, but there was a post of, if they did a 16-team playoff this year, this is what it would look like. And it would potentially put Alabama and Georgia up against each other again, which I know Georgia fans would love. And, you know, I, I think it would make for some interesting games in that middle mix. Uh, do I think that it would be ultimately that competitive if you had a 16 versus one, like, uh, you know, who's 16 currently? Iowa. Uh, yeah, Iowa. Right, so, so if like, do we really think that Iowa versus Alabama would be a competitive or compelling game? no at least i don't I, I think that would be a freaking beatdown sorry to uh our buddy mark who is a iowa fan uh but yeah i don't i don't think that, that would be a compelling game at all but there the more interesting games would we would get like uh florida oklahoma that would be a fun game to watch uh you would get georgia cincinnati another fun game to watch iowa state indiana you know, th- those games would be a lot of fun to watch but whenever you got down to the 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 fact of are they top four? Probably not. And I think what would happen is you'd have a couple of upsets early and it would make those, those later games seem more brutal. Whenever you have a Notre Dame going up against a coastal Carolina who pulls an upset or, uh, Alabama against, uh, a, a, a coastal Carolina who pulls an upset or a Northwestern. If they were to pull an upset, uh, just, I, I don't know that you could do it and it would be worth it at the end. Um, but I think that it would make for some really interesting games in the middle for sure. For me, if if it was going to change at all, I
3: think the six or eight team would be the most I would want right now. The 16 team playoffs a bit much because the culture, the current culture of college football, the NCAA, it does not support the 25th team in the nation or, or the 16th team in the nation beating the number one team right now. Uh, maybe in the future, if things leveled off a little bit more. But as of now, I think like what Lando was saying, you know, you're not going to have those teams really start to even compete. And I think he's he's right in a sense where the committee does get it right most of the time. I'm still a firm believer in the playoff, though. I think it's, you know, it's a committee's, um you know, it's a committee's job to get it right to an extent. But at some point, I want to see the teams get the chance. That's why I'm thinking, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at the current rankings. I'm thinking pretty much everybody in the top eight right now, I think that they had a shot to beat anyone else in the top eight any anywhere else after that that's where i start to see where there could be some problems so the 16 team for me i think it's out right now but uh, i i still would be down to see a 6 or 8
0: see what i don't understand is people are saying 6 or 8 because they want it to be more fair and like for group of 5 teams to have a chance and for teams like um like you could say Oklahoma this year who kind of started off the year not playing great but but you know, if they win their conference and, the, and like Lando said, this is one of the better Oklahoma teams we've seen because they're more balanced and they had the defense. If they win their conference, should they have a chance? Like that's what people are saying. I don't understand why they're saying six or eight. Why not just say twelve? Put every do ten conference champions and uh, two wild cards, and then that that that's much more fair if that if that's the way you're going to look at it. But for me, four teams is perfect. The whole reason to have the four team playoff was to make teams. Start to schedule those at a conference games like Matt was talking about, like seeing like the like the really cool, like intriguing like uh, you might think it might be a beat down, like Alabama, Iowa, whatever. The whole point of the 14 playoff was to have people schedule those games, force people to schedule those games. And that's why we're starting to see like last year we had Georgia Notre Dame, we've had Texas against LSU. Um, that was also last year. We've had you know UNC Auburn that was scheduled for this year. Like we had a lot of games where like people want to have those out of conference games so they can compare themselves or so the committee can compare them against other conferences. And you could say like, oh, well, Auburn, like if Auburn would have beaten North Carolina, North Carolina is the best, the third best team in the ACC and Auburn beat them by 21 points. So then that kind of helps you compare like conference to conference and helps you compare like when you're looking at the end of the year, it's like, okay, well, North Carolina beat Miami so Miami shouldn't get in the playoff if they were in playoff discussion whatever but like to me it's just it makes the regular season more fun to only have four teams and there's not been a year yet Lando's right there's not been a year yet where they've gotten it wrong every single year they're right there hasn't been a year where you could say like oh well that team shouldn't have gotten in that team shouldn't have gotten in and yeah like some of them haven't competed but they're I think every single year it's the four most deserving teams no matter what
2: yeah listen so if the playoff gets expanded then winning and losing, especially losing, will not mean as much in, in the regular season. Because then you can lose two games and then you can be like, oh, I don't care. We can still get in the playoff. Now, the way it is right now with four teams, you, 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 are, you are pressured from the very first game of the season to be on your game. And you have to be on your game for the entire season. And if you lose one game, then you have to win out. But if you lose two games, that means you are not one of the best four teams in the country, but because that means you have problems and that means that you have things to work on. So if you expand the playoff, that
0: just makes losing less important. And that's part of the beauty of college football, too. Like, I think a, a lot of the reason for like a lot of people do not really care that much about college basketball regular season because Kentucky can get upset by the worst team in the in the in the world worst team in the country whoever like like i mean they kentucky's been upset like three times this year already guess what they're still they could still be a one seed it doesn't matter they lost three games who cares you go win the sec you're in you're in it and like yeah that's cool it gives you something to play for it gives you something to cheer for as a fan but it completely it gets rid of the whole meaning of the regular season um i think the nfl has kind of become like that too especially because they're starting to expand and add more teams to the playoff, which I'm not really, not really for it. Like it, yeah, it makes it fun, but like we need to reward teams who are like really giving their all from start to finish and putting up good records, like especially in college football, putting up undefeated records, putting up one loss records. Those are the teams that need to be in, not the teams that lose two games and then, and then turn it on late in the season. You got to, you want the teams to turn it on at the beginning of the season or just be able to get there.
1: You nailed it with it's the beauty of college football There's a reason that most people in the South don't care about the NFL.
0: Yep. And speaking of great football, we'll get into our next question. At Kenna underscore Grace underscore Darden. And her question is, who is the greatest football player of all time? This is a great
2: question because there are so many great college football players from the past and present. Uh, But I'm going to have to go with the only player to win back-to-back Heisman trophies in 1973, and 1974, and that's Archie Griffin running back from Ohio State. Only person to ever win back to back Heisman trophies. So I think that's pretty great.
0: See, for me, I know I'm kind of biased, but I mean, I think Herschel Walker is the best player of all time. And I mean, you could sit here and watch him and like watch some of the games he played. He literally had like 60 rushes a game and completely carried Georgia on his back when back when Georgia was like competing. For, I mean, Georgia went to the national championship every single year he was there, they won the national championship the year his freshman year um against Notre Dame so he he's he's incredible and like Lando said Archie Griffin was the only player to win two Heismans but the only reason that Herschel Walker did not win the Heisman his freshman year was because he was a freshman and they did not even look at freshmen for the Heisman back then not at all if he was a sophomore he wanted his sophomore year or no he wanted his junior year and he probably would have wanted his senior year but he skipped and went on to um Donald Trump's Team, I can't remember what team he played for, but he jumped and went to went to play for a professional football team. It wasn't the NFL; it was an old professional football team. Um, but I mean, you could honestly say you could sit there and look at stats, and Herschel Walker was the best player for the three years he was there in the whole country. So, Wait, I'm gonna if, uh, you could say he probably could have won. He probably would have won three Heisman's if it would have been today.
2: <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna tell you something that 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 that's probably gonna piss you off. Get ready for this. I hope you're uh, I, ho- I hope you're sitting down. Barry Sanders is, was better than Herschel Walker.
0: I don't mind that argument because I think Barry Sanders is really good. I,
1: I actually like that you brought that up, Lando, because Barry Sanders is my goat for college football. Dude, all-purpose yards. I mean, it, he's incredible. I mean, Barry Sanders, he was he was undersized. Nobody thought that he would be anything. And, and I just love the guy's story. And if it wasn't for him, I mean, those, those teams he was on in Oklahoma State, they would have been nothing. I mean, they would have been... There would have been nothing. Barry Sanders was Oklahoma State. And I don't think that Barry Sanders gets enough credit. I mean, I know that people talk about like, oh, wow. You know, Barry Sanders, he had over 3,500 career rushing yards. But, like, think of 3,500 career rushing yards for a guy his size. Like, I mean, Herschel didn't have that many. And then what Barry Sanders did outside of the rushing game, I mean as a punt returner, kick returner, dude was a freak. So Barry Sanders to me is the greatest college football player of all time. In 1988, one season, 3200 all-purpose yards. 3200 yeah. all-purpose yards.
2: And and this is coming from from someone like me who is an Oklahoma fan and I hate Oklahoma State and even I will acknowledge that that Barry Sanders was a beast you you just hand him the ball and t and teams know he's he's going to get the ball and there's nothing you can do about it absolutely nothing he had speed he was shifty he would he would run to one side and shift all the way back to the other side of the field and take it and juke everybody out he was freaking and even in the nfl he was a great football player so barry sanders shout out to you man
0: did you say barry sanders had 3500 career rushing yards matt What's up? Did you did you say thirty five hundred career rushing yards for Barry Sanders? Yeah, three years. In three years, you said Herschel Walker didn't have that many. Do you want to know how many yards Herschel Walker had in three years? No, Herschel had over that. He had like five thousand, didn't he? he had five thousand and ninety seven. I thought you said Herschel didn't have that many. <laughs> you did say Herschel didn't. Did have I that say many. Herschel didn't have that many? Am I did, am I wrong that he said that? I thought he said that. Because I was like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I may have said that.
1: No, I that's I, I was in the middle of a rant. You're good. <laughs>
3: There are reasons that we're able to have debates like this because they are all incredible players. It's it's awesome
1: to watch any of these guys highlight reels. Oh, for sure, for sure. And and I actually don't I'm not far off from disagreeing with you It like Herschel was on my list uh whenever we when I got the when I saw the question, I was like, you know, Herschel is a uh Herschel's a, a really good option. Herschel's a heck of a player. I mean, he, cha- he 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 changed the way that guys ran the ball. Another guy that I was I was really close to picking, but I refused to do it because he went to Auburn was Bo, uh, Bo Jackson. I mean, if if, Me if 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 I wasn't such a diehard bammer, I would have picked Bo Jackson
0: because the dude was a freak, absolute freak. I think another guy and Matt. I'm actually surprised you didn't say him um, that. People really don't talk about much when you think about the greatest um, college football player of all time. And, I mean, even honestly, like his Heisman year, I even have been on record saying that I don't think he really should have won it that year. And that's Derrick Henry. I mean, Derrick Henry had 5,365 yards. Um, I don't know where that ranks on all-time rushing yards, but that's insane for – I mean, he was only there for three years, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and and he was really getting carries for, for two.
0: Oh yeah, he was an absolute workhorse, And and um, I really underrated him when he was there. I was like, "Oh, he's he's uh, he's getting too many carries. He's only averaging so many carries uh, um, a rush, whatever." But I mean, and it's like he's not going to last in the NFL. And I mean, if you if you look and, and watch him play on the Titans, he's doing the exact same thing on the Titans he was doing at Alabama. He's literally just running through teams. Doesn't matter how good their defenses are. Doesn't matter that everybody knows that that's what that's what the Titans are going to do every week. Derrick Henry's going to get the ball 50 times a game and he's going to run for 200 yards. That's how it is. He's going to run through everybody. So Derrick Henry is a guy that should definitely be on that list now, in my opinion.
1: I mean, I I, I love the, I love the fact that you, you you bring up Derrick Henry. I I love Derrick Henry. I was obviously the guy that was pounding my chest being like Derrick Henry deserves to be the Heisman this year. He deserves it. And everyone's like, come on, man. But if you take Derrick Henry off of that Alabama team, they are nowhere near a national champion. Mm-hmm. They're nowhere near a national champion. And and he changed that team, and he gave that offense that mentality. And, uh, you know, Jake Coker probably doesn't win a national championship or even perform as well as he did without being able to hand the, hand the ball off to the big guy 30 times a game. I mean, I, I, I love Derrick Henry. I just think, you know, when we talk about the GOAT, it's hard for me to bring up anybody new. It's the same thing with like when it, people get into the LeBron MJ thing. It's like, you know, Derek Henry was doing what Herschel was doing and Bo Jackson was doing back in the day. It just revolutionized a little bit. Huge
3: part of that's just nostalgia for people though. You can't nobody wants to dethrone MJ no matter how good somebody is.
1: I mean, that's 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 very true. That's very true, but it's also like, you know, you got to give them the respect for for the for how they revolution, revolutionize the
0: sport. Absolutely. Totally agree, and um, as fun as it is to talk about GOATs, um, it is time for our Pour One Out, Cut Them Off segment. Uh, Lando, who are you pouring one out for this week?
2: So this week, uh, I am pouring one out for Coach Matt Dickman, who is the head coach of the Harrison uh, Football Hoyas in Kennesaw, Georgia. Coach D has been at Harrison for eight years, and through eight years, he has won 62 games. He has two region championships and one state championship, which came last year. Uh, this hits h- close to home for me and Keys personally, because, uh, we were a part of the first ever football team that coach Dickman at Harrison when we were juniors. Uh, and when he came to, to Harrison, it was a huge culture change because the coaches we had before were awful, terrible. And when coach uh, Dickman got there for the first time, he, uh, always would always tell us to be uncommon, be the uncommon man. And that was always his, uh, his, his mantra for the football team. Coach Dickman also had the privilege of coaching, Justin Fields, who is uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the country uh, at Ohio, at Ohio State. So that's who I'm pouring out for this week, uh, Coach Matt Dickman. And this week I'm cutting off the Baker Mayfield haters because it is time to start looking at Baker Mayfield as a franchise quarterback. Matt, who are you pouring out for?
1: So I am pouring one out for the lane train. I don't know if y'all have been following the recruiting trail much. I know we've still got college football season going on, but with the early signing day period coming up uh, – I've been following the recruiting world pretty pretty closely. Ole Miss last week, I guess it was a little over a week ago, was 73rd in recruiting. They had the 73rd best class. As of right now, they are number 18 in the country. They went up 55 spots in a week. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what fan of a team you are. That is the Lane Kiffin magic that happened right there uh, for the Mississippi Rebels. Uh, that that's incredible. Fifty-five spots. I mean, we'll see how he develops them, but fifty-five uh, places in recruiting going up. I've got to pour one out for the Lane train, and I'm cutting off Jacksonville Jaguars fans. Uh, find a new team. I'm, I'm I'm calling myself out on that one uh, because it doesn't matter what what the jacksonville jaguars get it doesn't matter who their coach is it doesn't matter who the gm is they will find a way to be terrible in the nfl and i'm also cutting off jacksonville jaguars fans because you know and and maybe this hurts me a little bit but but i actually i'm I'm in like these these jaguars groups and stuff and i'll see people post things they were actually saying derrick henry's overrated and i'm like okay just because you hate the Titans doesn't mean you get to be delusional. Derrick Henry is freaking good. I mean, he goes off for 200 yards a game against us, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's overrated. He only does this against us. He does it against everybody. Derrick Henry should be in more consideration for the MVP of the league this year. He's a hoss. So Jacksonville Jaguars fans, you're cut off. Find a new team. The Jags are going to move to London anyways. I'm I'm over it. Whit, who are you pouring one out for this week? <laughs>
0: Matt, dude, I really feel for you there, man. It's got to be hard to cheer for a team like that. But speaking of teams who, like, the past couple years um, have really underachieved and really not played the way that they probably should be playing, uh, I'm going to talk about Chicago Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky. Um, I'm pouring one out for him for playing maybe the best game of his career um, in a game where the narrative was centered around how hilarious it was that he was picked number two overall over Deshaun Watson – who um, was the quarterback of the team he was playing against, Houston Texans? And of course, Patrick Mahomes, who is probably the MVP favorite at this point of the year. Um, Mitch threw for close to 300 yards and three touchdowns against the Texans and completely outdueled Watson. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely pouring one out for him. Great to see him have a good game after all the mental torture he's gone through over the past couple of years. But, and um, I'm gonna be cutting off Marco Wilson, uh, the cornerback for Florida, uh, for throwing his shoe. Um across the field against LSU in the final drive of the the win, the final game winning drive of the game. Um absolutely idiotic move. Um we already talked about it, so I'm not gonna get too far into it, but um Marco Wilson, you need to be cut off and you probably need to be cut from the team because that was just terrible. Cost your team a potential playoff berth. Um Keys, who are you pouring one out for? I'm pouring one out for Monday night football because for once I could come home from
3: work and actually watch a good game on TV. It was great. Fantastic game between the Browns and the Ravens. And this week, I am cutting off ABC for airing a live murder on TV. And, of course, I'm talking about Miami's loss to North Carolina. Miami lost 62-26, to and it was obvious they were going to lose from the get-go. And uh, real quick, I'm just going to cut off Georgia Southern head coach Chad Lunsford again. I, I was really disappointed they lost to uh, App State this week. The Eagles are 7-5 overall and 4-4 in the conference. And they have losses to both of their rivals this year, which never happens. Uh, Georgia State and App State. And they just can't finish games. And the Gata lifestyle just doesn't support losing culture. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Are are his days numbered? Or am I just going crazy?
0: I personally would be surprised if he got fired. Maybe not right now, but he he's on the hot seat for me. Oh, yeah. Going into next year, I mean, I'd have him on the hot seat. If he can't beat App State and Georgia State again next year, or at least one of them, and at least get us to uh, – make us like a three or four loss team. then I think he's going to get fired Georgia Southern fans. I know most, most people who are listening to this podcast probably don't know much about Georgia Southern fans, but Georgia Southern fans think we are still in the FCS and that we should still be winning every single game, every single year. So we think we're Alabama. We think we're Alabama. We're the Alabama of the Sun Belt. taking our hurt from the Eagles losing to App state. We're going to move on to the rocks of the week. Lando, who are you picking this week?
2: Texas A&M over Tennessee. Texas A&M big. Matt.
1: So I'm actually uh not going SEC championship. I, I wanted to pick a game that we weren't already picking. I'm going Ole Miss over LSU. LSU gets a big win against Florida. Ole Miss hasn't played in a few weeks. Uh LSU's actually favorite in that game, which surprised me. Uh it's in Death Valley, but without the fans there, it really doesn't make a difference where it play where it's played. I think Ole Miss comes in, they don't miss a beat. They come off of the big win uh from the egg bowl a couple weeks ago. Uh I'm going hotty Tati by ten.
0: So this is actually probably my first lock of the week where I actually am picking this team because I think there is absolutely no chance they lose this game. And that is Buffalo over Ball State in the MAC Championship. I think Buffalo has quietly been one of the better group of five teams this year. Um on the back of Jarrett Patterson, who who uh was right there. Almost he was I think he was ended up being number two rushing yards in a game all time. He's been fantastic. They've They've used them like a Derrick Henry, just keep giving them the ball and and uh, play some good defense behind them, and, and they 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 are blowing out every team they play. So Ball State has been struggling through most of their games. Yeah, they're a one loss team, but they're like they really haven't looked great. So I think uh, Buffalo wins this game by thirty. Keys, who's your lock?
3: So this week I'm gonna continue with being a Sun Belt super fan. Apparently, uh, I got number twelve Coastal Carolina and number nineteen Louisiana Lafayette. And I've got the Chanticleers. I think they're going to keep rolling. I think they got them by, I'll go, nine points. I, I think they're a really solid team. I think they'll beat Louisiana pretty well.
0: That's a great pick, Keys, and a, and a great way for us to move on into our picks of the week. Our first pick is the Sunbelt Championship. We have number 19, Louisiana, taking on number 12, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Um, Lando, you got first pick.
2: Uh, Coastal Carolina had a scare last week. They, they had a real close game. So I think they're going to take what happened last week and learn from it and beat Louisiana by 10. So I'm a believer
1: that it's really hard to beat beat the same team twice in one year. And as close as the game was the first time that these two teams played – I think that Louisiana is going to come in, and I think they're going to win this game by a field goal. It's uh, going to be a really close back-and-forth game, but Billy Napier is going to have the team ready to roll, and I've got, I've got Louisiana by three.
0: So I think both of these teams have proven to be worthy of being ranked in the top 25 um, with the wins over Iowa State and with BYU. Um, when these two met during the season, it was one of the best games of the year, um, and I don't expect this one to be any different. As much as I hate Picking a good team to beat another good team more than once in one season. Kind of like how Matt was saying. I think Coastal is just the better team. I think they just have more talent. They're better coached. Um, I liked Billy Napier, but I just think that they're a little bit more limited than Coastal Carolina is this year. And so I'm going to take Coastal, but I think they're only going to win by about five. Um, And we'll keep the trend going with another group of five championship game. We have number 23, Tulsa, taking on. Number nine, Cincinnati in the AAC Championship. Lando, who are you picking?
2: First ever game I went to, college football game I ever went to was a game that featured the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. So I got the Golden Hurricanes, Matt.
1: You know, uh, I, I think that this game should should give Cincinnati a little bit more credit for how good they are. I think Cincinnati's going to win this game, and I think that this game should help Cincinnati's resume uh, more than it probably will. Uh, it's another raked opponent that Cincinnati's got a chance to play. Uh, they've got the primetime game on ABC. Unfortunately, it's going to be on at the same time as the SEC championship, so I'm probably not going to watch a minute of it. Uh, but I've got Cincinnati. Uh, I'm going to go
0: Cincinnati by 14. Wit. Yeah, I just think Cincinnati's the better team. Um, I know Tulsa is ranked uh, number 23, and they've been ranked in the top 25 the past two weeks. But um, from what I've seen of them, I really don't think they've looked that impressive. Um, even when they were playing Oklahoma State, like – I thought Oklahoma State really didn't look as great, more so than Tulsa was looking really good in that game. And um, yeah, this is one of the better Tulsa teams I've ever seen. But like I said, I, th- I just think Cincinnati's more talented and um, they're just a better team. So um, I think it'll be somewhat close. But I think Cincy having a shot at the playoff, even though after tonight, I think that might be out the window. But just the fact that they're in that discussion it gives them all the reason in the world to show out in this game. Um, so I think Cincinnati's going to win by 15. And moving into our first Power 5 Conference Championship game of the week, we have number 13, USC, taking on an entrant by forfeit, Oregon. Uh, this was supposed to be Washington. They won their division, but because of COVID complications, Oregon ended up taking their spot. Um, Lando, who you got in this game? USC in a close one,
2: Matt. So
1: I actually picked Oregon to win the Pac-12 before the year, and I'm not changing. Uh, I, I think that... Uh, my main man, Mario Cristobal, is going to have the guys rolling. Uh, USC, they, they've won their games, yes, but they haven't done it in an impressive way. I I I don't want to use the F word and, and, and call them full-on frauds yet, but I think they're kind of frauds. Uh, so we're going Oregon in a very tight one. I think Oregon by four.
0: With. So, yeah, when we did our um, kind of Pac-12 preview episode before they started their season, because um, since they started so late, they started in November, um, I picked USC to beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Um, I thought, especially Oregon, I thought Oregon would be a lot better than they looked this year. But, I mean, they've had an interesting year. They came into the season heavy odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12. And um, then they kind of had to backpedal. And, and then uh, they ended up having to backpedal into, the, into this game thanks to uh, Washington's COVID outbreak, like I was saying earlier. But, you know, here we are, two teams we knew would be in this game all along. I think Oregon's rough season. Said everything to do with the guys that they had opt out before the season. Um, and uh, and even though, like, Oregon might be playing a little bit better than they were when they were losing the teams, like, and barely beating UCLA, I think that, like, without those guys, they're just not going to be able to compete with USC. USC just has too much firepower on offense. Keaton Slovis is playing too well. Um, they still have guys like Tyler Bonds and Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown who are just tearing up defenses in the Pac-12, so... Um, I'm going to stick with my original pick. I'm going to stick with USC, and I honestly don't think it's going to be close. Um, I think if Oregon has teams like Oregon State, UCLA, and Cal who are tearing apart their defense because of the guys that have opted out, I think USC is going to have a field day. So um, I got USC by 20. And moving on to our next Power Five game of this weekend, we have number 14, Northwestern, taking on uh, number four, Ohio State, in the Big Ten Championship. Lando, who are you picking?
2: Ohio State has to win this game, so I'm going with Ohio State. Ohio State by 28. I, I
1: think this is game is going to be a beatdown uh, from beginning to end. Ohio State has to win this game big, in my opinion. If it's close at all, they give themselves a window of, slip, of, of slipping up and find themselves on the outside looking in. Uh, I don't think Northwestern's very good. We saw that against Michigan State, and Ohio State is very good. We saw that against that same Michigan State. We've seen it against everybody that played this year. Uh, Ohio State is going to dominate this game beginning to end. Ohio State by 28.
0: Yeah, so it takes a lot for me. See, recently I've I've gotten into sports betting because it's become legal in Tennessee. And it takes a lot for me to want to throw $20 on a game. I have to be, especially against the spread, I have to be 100% sure a team is going to win by a certain amount. And this was one of the two games this weekend that I was so confident in that I decided I was going to throw $20 on. So I have Ohio State winning. Um, I think Northwestern is insanely overrated. Um, I think it's ridiculous. They're higher than um, some of the other teams in the top 15, top 20. Um, I think Ohio State's going to beat them by 40 and solidify themselves as a top 14. And uh, getting into our next game, we have the Big 12 Championship, number 10, Oklahoma, taking on number six, Iowa State. Lando, who are you picking? sooner
1: like i said earlier it's hard to beat us, beat the same team twice in one year i'm sticking with that same theme here i've got oklahoma over iowa state i said it earlier i think oklahoma is a much better team now than they were the first two the first time that these two teams met and the uh, the oklahoma run defense is going to be the difference they, they're still averaging uh giving up less than 100 yards a game and that's going to be where Brees Hall, can they shut him down? I don't think they'll completely shut him down, but I think they will slow him down. And I think they'll the Oklahoma suitors win this one by, it's going to be a close one. I'm going to say six.
0: Win. Yeah, Oklahoma has looked like a completely different team since they lost to Iowa State at the beginning of the year. Iowa State has had one of their best years ever with one of their best players ever in Brees Hall. But I think Oklahoma is hitting their stride, especially on the defensive side. And I'm with you guys. That run defense has looked a lot better. um, And I think they just finally put it together. I have Oklahoma by eight. And uh, Lando, I think me and you will be – I think our teams will be seeing each other in the Cotton Bowl later on this year. Revenge. Revenge. (laughs) ATK live from Dallas. Uh, Y'all look forward to that. But, um, yeah, we'll move on to our next game. We have the SEC championship in Atlanta. We got number seven, Florida, taking on the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Lando, who you got in this game?
2: Florida is not going to recover from what happened on Saturday. So they're going to get blown out this weekend. Alabama large. I
0: think this game is going to be
1: real close. But I think it comes down to which defense is going to be able to get a stop. Uh, Kyle Pitts is going to be back for Florida this week. That's going to be a game changer for their offense. Uh, I don't know if Christian Harris is going to be, uh, healthy and ready to go, uh, for the Alabama defense as the inside linebacker. Um, I think Alabama's defense is better than Florida's defense, and we're going to, we're going to get a stop. Alabama is going to get enough stops. Uh, I think Alabama wins this one. I think we end up winning by, by 13. Uh, we get, we get another score late, um, to, to make it a two score game and, 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 and seal the deal. But I think it's going to be a real close, almost like an Ole Miss type of game where it's back and forth. Who's going to get a stop first, uh, take the over in this one, folks, this is going to be a high score and, uh, a a touchdown test. So, uh, Witt, what you, what you got?
0: So literally two games ago, I talked about how it takes a lot for me to want to put $20 on a football game um, when I'm betting on, I bet on Fandle when I bet on Fandle. Um, This was the second of those games, first being Ohio State. I think Alabama is by far better than Florida. Um, I think before last week's upset in the swamp, um, this game was a shoo-in to be one of the biggest of the season. Um, although there's still a lot of intrigue with Pitts coming back and the whole Trash versus Jones, Heisman debate because um, they, obviously they've been the front runners for the, for the last couple of weeks. I think this one will get ugly really fast. Um, I have Bama winning by 20. And now for our last game of the week, a top four matchup. We have number three Clemson taking on number two Notre Dame in the ACC championship rematch for the century. Lando, who you got?
2: This is going to be a great game. Uh, It's going to come down to whoever has the ball last. And I think that that's going to be Clemson and Trevor Lawrence is the different is a difference, Matt, who you got?
1: I think that Trevor Lawrence, and I've said this from day one of of that, of, of the first game, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the difference maker in this game. And I'm probably in the minority, but I don't think that it's going to be all that close. I think Clemson's going to come in this game hungry, they were on the road when they lost and they, with a backup quarterback, they pushed Notre Dame to overtime. I think Clemson's going to win this one by 17. Uh, Notre Dame is a good team. I'm not taking anything away from them. Uh, maybe they, they do keep it closer, but I just don't see that game being close the second time around. Sticking with the thing, hard to beat the same team twice in the same year. Uh, especially a team as good as Clemson that they make adjustments. And they're going to have a guy who's probably going to be the number one thing in the
0: draft next year. Yeah, guys, I have Clemson too, but I want to make it clear. I'm not picking Clemson because I think they're the better team. I think Notre Dame has been the most balanced team in the country all year. But like we've said a couple times um, when talking about these conference championship games, I think it's nearly impossible to beat a team two times in a row. Um, I think this will be another classic, but... Trevor Lawrence will be the difference maker in the game and uh, will make the ACC the second conference to send two teams to the playoff in the same year. Um, yeah, I'm taking Clemson by four. So we actually have a um, a non-football question that we're going to get into. But before, while we're still on the topic of football, I wanted to ask you guys, um, just in, in honor of Selection Sunday being this Sunday after the conference championship games on Saturday, um, who do you guys think are going to be the top four at the end of the day? Uh,
2: it's not going to change. It's going to be the same four teams. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same. Uh, I mean,
1: even I, – I think if Florida somehow does beat Alabama, I still think Alabama gets in. Uh, I mean, they've been so consistent all year offensively. Defensively, it's been shaky, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, Ohio State, I don't, unless they lose to the Northwestern, the committee's not leaving them out. Um uh, Maybe if Northwestern put puts them to the brink and they go to MP. I don't see it. I mean Clemson, Notre Dame, unless Notre Dame wins, if Notre Dame wins, that leaves the door open for uh a lot for, for some shake up because then you're gonna get into the debate of two loss Conference champ from the big the Big Twelve versus two loss Clemson, who lost to Notre Dame twice. Um but I think Clemson's gonna win, so I think it's gonna stay the same four.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on the same four, I think. Um, so I have Alabama at one, Clemson at two, Ohio State at three, and Notre Dame at four. Um, that's kind of how I think it's going to end up shaking up. But um, I think if Notre Dame were to beat Clemson, um, I think Clemson would still have a good shot of ending up being that number four team. But I think a lot of that would have to, have to do with how closely they lost to Notre Dame and how... Texas A&M looks against Tennessee, which they should blow out Tennessee because Tennessee's been terrible this year. Um, and then I think a lot of it hinges on the way that the committee has it set up now. If Iowa State, Iowa State has to beat Oklahoma because I don't think they, I don't think they're going to vault Oklahoma from ten to number four. I think they put them too far away, um, which I kind of disagree with a little bit because I think they should have a shot because they're in the conference championship game. But Iowa State is six. If Iowa State can blow out Oklahoma, which is extremely, extremely unlikely in my opinion, but if Iowa State can beat Oklahoma by like three or so touchdowns, it, I would not be surprised if they could vault Oklahoma over a team like A&M if Notre Dame were to beat Clemson and maybe even put that Iowa State team over Clemson um, because they had that conference championship. Um, it, that's it. It would be chaos and it would be crazy, but I think that's... That's a possible scenario, but yeah, I'm with you guys. I think mean, top four teams that are now, I think we'll probably stay. They'll just shift some seeds a little bit. So our non-football question is from at Kiss McNasty, and his question is, imagine you're playing Flip Cup. You get to pick five characters played by Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler as your teammates. Who are you playing with? All right, so I got Bobby Boucher, uh, Paul Crew,
2: Ricky Bobby. Ron Burgundy, and Jackie Moon. Those are my five.
1: I also have Paul Crew. I've got Buddy the Elf. I think Buddy the Elf is so dumb that he might just be able to pull it off. I've got uh, Billy Madison. I think Billy Madison would be a hell of a flip cup player. Uh, I've also got Jackie Moon because that, that was I was like, you know, I'm trying to think of guys that may not necessarily drink that much, but then Obviously, my 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 uh my anchor guy is gonna be Frank the Tank. Got to have Frank the Tank on there.
0: Old school, Will Ferrell. He, he's 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 gonna bring it home for us for sure. Frank the Tank. Who is Frank the Tank? Old, have you ever seen Old School? Ooh, no, I have not. You are missing out. Old School Frank the Tank is Will Ferrell's character, and he's an absolute beast. Go check it out. Yeah, I'll have to. <laughs> So my five, I have, I have Billy Madison and, um, I have him because in the movie, he's constantly getting hammered with his friends at the mansion. And although he's a dumbass, I think he's, um, he's probably be, be really good at drinking games. Just judging from the way he parties. Um, I got buddy, the elf and same reason, um, when he drank the spiked coffee in the mailroom, room, he was by far his best self. He was partying all over the place. So, yeah, you know, buddy, the elf would probably be a fantastic flip cup player. Happy Gilmore, uh, mostly because of his competitive edge. You gotta have a guy like that on your team. Um, even though he was terrible at hockey, he would still go out and take balls to the head uh in the batting cage and um make himself tougher. So you gotta have a guy like that on your team. Um and uh I also have Lenny Fader from Grown Ups. Um, I know I noticed you guys didn't say anything about him, but he just seems like the luckiest dude in the world. You know, he's got that uh that little shot, um, his little bank shot he does and um, it just seems like everything always ends up going his way in the end of the movie. So uh, Lenny Fader, I feel like would be a good one. And of course, my anchor is, is the anchor man, Ron Burgundy, um, because how can you not have a superstar like Ron Burgundy on your team? You just can't leave him out.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I am not a big Adam Sandler guy. I, I'm not a big fan of his movies.
1: I like his old stuff. I'm not really big on grown ups. Never really got into that. Uh, but Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, uh, Mr. Deeds, all classics.
0: Yeah, see Adam Sandler movies, it, they're kind of hit or miss. There's a lot of them I really like, especially the classics like Happy Gilmore, great movie. Billy Madison, great movie. And then you have some like like Fifty First Dates is is one of my favorite movies. I, I like that movie a lot. And um, just go with it. I like that movie a lot as well. Bedtime Stories is a classic. Um, I'm a big Adam Sandler guy. I know you were saying you really don't like Grown Ups, uh, Matt. But like to my memory, the first Adam Sandler movie I ever saw was grown ups one. And that was that was like the that was the first movie I ever bought on my iPod touch. So that was that was a classic one for me. I still love those movies to this day. Um they're really not as great as the classics, I understand the argument behind that, but I, I love me some grown ups. That's how I know I'm old is grown ups came out at a point where I was kind
1: of it it was it seemed a little be like maybe I'm wrong. I felt like I was too grown up for that type of humor at that point. Like, so, like, my first Adam Sandler movie that I remember watching was Waterboy. And that was, that's a classic. I love that. I love, I love Waterboy. Uh, But Grown Ups was, it, 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 I want to say I was in high school when that came out. And because of that, I was like, oh. It, and it seemed like the trendy thing to do at the time did not like Adam Sandler that much. Like, Click had come out and it was kind of a bust. And then I think he had another movie in between there. I'm, I'm with you, though. I love 51st Dates. Him and Drew Barrymore did an awesome job in that movie.
3: Other than his classics, uh, the slapstick movies he makes, just don't do it for me. But the ones with a little, like, that are actually, like, movies, either the serious ones or, like, the rom-coms, I like those.
2: Yeah, like, The Longest Yard was, is it, my favorite movie from him because it's it, it's like a movie, but it also has kind of its jokes kind of thrown in there, too.
0: But we are running out of time, so that is our show. Thank you guys for listening. Um, We always appreciate it. Please give us a follow on Instagram at AroundTheKeg and on Twitter at AroundTheKegPod. Please send us any questions or topics you guys want us to discuss on the show because, like I said every week, we make this for you guys. We don't make it for us. So Um, we'll be happy to include as much as we can, and uh, we hope you guys have a great week. See you all.